0: Michael, your name on Twitter is 42 Sink And if you read sci-fi, I feel like you must have read comics too, right? Were you, were you, did you grow up a comic book reader?
1: I absolutely read comics. I was very excited when my parents would would buy them for me. And like every summer, I think it like, it's some bookstore we would get like, there was a big storyline, like when Superman died. So they had like a whole package of comics. And so then I got to read them all. And that was really kind of neat. And then I think... I kind of fell off with them, and then after college, there was a lot of really neat graphic novels in the early two thousands that were coming out, and so I've definitely enjoyed reading them. And actually, my daughter, because I was like, "Oh, this is a great medium for her," she's learning to read stories, but at least by pictures. And so we've gotten uh, the Hilda series. It's this little girl who lives in, I think, like Nor. It's like a, I think it's like Norway or something, but it's kind of a fun little series. It's very visual. There's a lot of like really neat. So I think it's really kind of fun. And so, cause hopefully, you know, it, it's just kind of like a step towards reading for her and kind of a thing for us to share. And also she I... found like early comic, like weird comic books that I had. Like I had like a DuckTales comic book that like she's <laughs> gone crazy for. It's not very good. She found a Teenage Ninja Turtles one. And it's not good at all. And I'm like, I don't really want you to like, let's get something that's better for you. So when
0: I ask if you have comic books, you have them just laying around to be found by your children. So they've been in the basement. Yeah, 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 I guess so.
1: Yeah. How about you? Or did you? I know that you've read a comic book. I'm sure you have.
0: i've read a comic book really isn't that it's kind of like pathetic i mean i've looked at other comic books i never i always thought comic books were cool and i don't know why i never got into them when i was younger and as you know like the way i handled the pandemic was i just started watching marvel stuff and mm-hmm. if you get into all that stuff then a lot of them are based on the comics so i got curious and so when i couldn't find anything else to read like a few months ago i read the um, black panther world of wakanda one that oh. Roxane and Gay did and Tanae EC Coates. And it was pretty cool. I really actually liked the medium a lot. And the only problem, I just don't read a lot of like sci fi or fiction anymore. And so that's, I need to. I don't know why I really enjoyed it. And it only took me a little bit to read it. It was a pretty cool story.
1: One of my students actually was writing her research paper on the, the Bosnian Wars. And so she ended up with there's a graphic novel that, oh, I have it somewhere down here. I've I'll put in the show notes. Um, so she's lay, actually laying around the basement somewhere. Yeah, because I happen to also buy it too because like a, a couple of years ago because I really enjoyed the author because he, he did one on like the um, uh, Sarajevo, what happened with the crisis in Sarajevo assassination for, for France Ferdinand. And so anyway, so she used it for her research paper. I thought that was really kind of cool.
0: So I think, I mean, it just seems like a really cool you know genre, right? Like comics are a different way of storytelling that a lot of young people tend to be more into, right? I always feel like it's more of a young people's game. The comic scene, right? Sure, sure. On I don't it. think
1: everyone's into it, but I feel like yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of young folk are. And I know, again, for me, I, I fell out of it in, like in high school, but then I fell back into it later. And and I remember we even it's had cool. like
0: uh, we had like comic graphic novels of like the Constitution and stuff, which I guess is more interesting than reading the actual Constitution.
1: Yeah, I actually bought a class set. We used that. <laughs> I do. I, I had my department head buy a class set for for us, and uh, I've I've absolutely used that. So I think. I think the thing that I would like to know more about is
0: different ways you could, you know, use comics in schools. Of course, like there anything is educational, right? But in social studies, we kind of have a curriculum we're supposed to kind of be teaching and centering on kind of histories and things like that, right? The nonfiction stuff. And so yeah, it's it's got my brain working. Could we, you know, pull some of these things around Michael's basement and these some of these mm-hmm. comics and, and take them into classrooms and people learn? Or maybe do we need another source of comics, maybe that is gonna have Probably. a little Yeah, a little higher quality content, maybe a little fresher right
1: off the press. What do you think? Yeah, no, I'm here for the convo. Hopefully you've brought along with you someone to chat with us about this very thing, or else you wouldn't have asked me
0: the question. We do. And so at this point, we would like to welcome into the podcast, Steph Manuel. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming. So
2: Steph, could you tell us a little bit about your background? Yeah, definitely not. So... People always ask me that interesting question about how did I get into the comic book space and and education, and it really started um, at another point in my life when I was an Army officer. Um, I used to be a combat engineer, and my main job was to clear roads of bombs in Afghanistan. I did that for most of 2013 and 15, and I would come back for missions sometimes, and I would see police brutality, I would see a lot of civil unrest. And I didn't know why. And it really bothered me because I couldn't make the argument to myself that I was fairly educated. I went to West Point, had a mechanical engineering degree, but I felt that my history education didn't allow me to, it didn't allow me to understand what was happening in my community. And if I didn't know what was happening in my community, then I didn't have agency in fixing it. And that always stuck with me. So when I left the Army, I was working on a graduate degree at Northwestern in a human centered design. And I did a short research study on how people learn about social issues through media, and most of the people that I would talk to, the conversation would always end up where they're they're telling me a story about them experiencing racism, homophobia, misogyny, or something of the sort. And there were there weren't a lot of good tools to help them understand what's going on. Um, they would ask their teachers, they'd ask their parents, they'd ask people in their communities, and there there weren't a lot of tools. And what was stuck with me was that. They were having the same experience that I was because we the most of the most of the people I interviewed they were in their late twenties, early thirties, and these experiences still stayed with me. So I, I felt that there was a really good opportunity to you know create content and resources that help people understand you know current social issues, but but how how did we even get here by looking looking at the past? And that's what eventually led to my company, True Fiction. And we're an ed tech company that uses comics, curriculum, and community to tell the untold stories of marginalized
1: groups. So you talked a little bit about the human-centered design approach. What exactly is that? And how does that work with you developing these comic books? Yeah, so
2: we took a very, I'd say, interesting non-linear approach. In, and and one of the things we all often talk about in human-centered design is there's usually someone that has a really great workaround for the solution that you're creating. And by finding these people and learning from them, you can figure out how to productize an innovation. So when we first started thinking about, before we even got to comics, before we just started thinking about who could we learn from about teaching history? So we started interviewing black parents who would spend their Saturdays teaching their kids about history. And we would just spend time with them. We would ask them questions. And we would do this over a series of months. And we started asking them questions, you know, around what are you doing around your students' identity? What are you doing around around history to make your kids love themselves? And that's the questions that we would just keep on asking them. And after a while, we, we had a, there was like a, there was like a pattern of things that they would do. And then we started interviewing teachers around what were they doing around fear when it came to teaching history, because there's a lot of there's a lot of responsibility around teaching history, and there's also a lot of insecurity, where a lot of some teachers would say, "I just don't want to say the wrong thing," or, you know, there there just a lot of fear. So, and there was patterns around behavior that we would find that some teachers would do, and we started aligning. What were these parents doing out of love when teaching history? And what were these teachers doing out of fear when teaching history? And we're trying to see, could we connect the things that these parents are doing out of love to the things that teachers are doing out of fear? Um, and what, what interesting connections or patterns came up? So we found like some very interesting insights around how we should think about designing our, con- uh, designing our content. And at that point, we were open to video, audio, books. It didn't didn't really matter, but we found that comic books as a communication medium were just a really, like, they allowed us to do, they allowed us to execute on a couple of the insights that we had from this kind of, this this design process. And then we just start testing it. We would make like one image and take it to that parent and say, is this what you were thinking? And then we take that image and take it back to a teacher and says, how does this make you feel? And we kept on doing that until we got into like a full comic book to help us understand how we should design our books.
0: That's a really cool story. So we oftentimes have people, researchers in social studies on this podcast. And that is like really good methods. Like that sounds like a great research study, right? You could write that, that up and like you went to the source, learned from them, identified patterns, went back. And so it's like you kept going back. And so anyway, I'm really impressed. People describe their methods that they use to do a studies all the time. And that's one of the coolest descriptions of a process that I've heard. So that's that I'm going to learn from that in in the research that I do and try to try to do something similar. That's really cool. I guess before we get into the kind of the content, right? Which most yeah. social studies people are going to be really interested in the com- content, which first, by the way, Really cool that you took, you saw, it, you had like a vision and you took it and made a reality. That takes a lot of work, right? I know to, to make that all come through. And I'm really curious curious about like the process, right? Like the comic book process from drawing to producing. I know there's probably a lot of steps in between that. Can you can you kind of give us a little background to what that looks like?
2: Yeah. And I, and I would say one of the, the interesting things about really creating a comic book is a lot of the work happens before an artist or someone even writes a script or someone draws concept art, all the work, has like 80% of the work happens before that. And, you know, for, for people who are really in the comic books, Marvel has something called the Marvel way or the Marvel script, where there's like very specific style guides on how superheroes are drawn, how the scenes and panels are drawn. And even the way, even the production process that happens for a comic book, Different comic book studios have a particular way of doing it. For us, since we're doing history comic books, but we're we're doing history comic books for education. So we are designing them with like culture responsive pedagogy in mind, social emotional learning in mind, and also systems thinking. So we have our own frameworks around how how do we design and start collecting information as like an architecture before we get into the comic book. So with that, around some of how around some of our frameworks, what we'll do is we have a specialized kind of script that we have designed. Um, and then that script goes to a writer. We have a style guide that kind of dictates how some of our characters are drawn or how some of our, our how some of the paneling is done. And then depending on how how you design, how you decide to make it, a comic book, uh, one comic book page can touch a lot of hands. There's a writer. Then there is a person called a penciler who kind of does some of the layout. Then there's an inker who does kind of detailed drawings and the detailed like architecture around the faces. Then there's a colorist. Then there's someone who does the word bubbles, a letterer. Then there's an editor. So they they're going to be like seven or eight people that touch a page on a comic book, and it doesn't always have to be that way, but it's 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 a way of where you can get like really high quality engaging content. So Steph, tell, tell
0: us about the content a little bit. So what, what have you all produced? What stories? So you said these are untold stories and I'm guessing they're probably told by some communities, but probably not being told oftentimes enough in our schools as part of understanding, you know, histories of the world. So what stories are you giving, you know, more attention to that maybe don't always get attention?
2: Yeah, so... Over, overall, we, we kind of have an approach to some of our, um, our stories, and we want to tell stories that give students agency and really the ability to see themselves in, in, in their own history. And whenever we sit down and do a story, we, we want to make sure kind of does three things. One is kind of a gap in history, so something that you generally wouldn't see in a US history textbook. Um, we want to tell a story of resilience. Because I think sometimes we talk about the bad things or traumatic things in, in history, but we don't talk about how um, communities have endured and shown resilience. And then we always tell a story of relevance. Like, well, why do you care about this thing? How does this thing or this moment or policy um, inform your understanding of history today? So we've created our first set of stories is one is on the it's called June War. And it's, it's about uh, World War II and the aftermath from the perspective of an African-American World War II veteran. And it, it centers on a couple of things. It centers on really GI Bill, the, the 1944 Veteran Adjustment Act. And it, it kind of talks about how a lot of African-American soldiers didn't get that, didn't get it for, for various reasons. But it also talks about racial violence that has targeted um, veterans throughout U.S. history. We often think about you know, soldiers and fighting and fighting for American freedom, but there's always been soldiers fighting for for freedom in the U.S. throughout our history. But when it comes to Black soldiers, that's always juxtaposed between a lot of racial violence or discrimination. And we kind of like to highlight that that, that story. Another story is we have is Brown versus Board of Education, but from the perspective of uh, a Black woman who's an educator. And, we often don't talk about the, a lot of the tension that was happening around Brown versus Board of Education. That you know, although I, everyone can have a, everyone wanted integration, integration is a good thing. And but we don't talk about some of the negative impacts that integration had on the Black community, had on Black educators, how many people are actually fighting it, and what was the aftermath of uh, desegregation? Like how did it how did it transform? How does how does segregation transform itself after that? Another story we have is the Tulsa Race Massacre from the perspective of a young black boy, and those are those are the first three stories that we have, and we're, we're currently building an ethnic studies anthology that we will release sometime later this year.
0: Yeah. So first, those three stories are, you know, ones that I didn't get taught in school, and it wasn't until I was an adult and like really working, you know, deciding to work my life in social studies education that i eventually learned about uh, some of the stories that you're talking about and i'm sure i can only imagine like the ways that a comic book personalizes these stories in ways that lets you see you know kind of the injustice of not getting you know a home loan or the the other things that you know came out of the gi bella and the the tulsa race massacre and i first thing i want to read all three of them right off the bat i'm fr- i'm from tulsa and grew up very close to where the race massacre happened and didn't learn about it until I got to college in Oklahoma, and so what is the effect? What what have you heard? What feedback do you get from the the students who are reading
2: these stories?
0: I can tell you, I can tell you a couple of
2: anecdotes, but there's a lot of engagement because you know one thing we realize is that for especially for students of color, they generally do not get to see themselves in history and at that level of quality so generally there, there may be an image or something that's appropriated that wasn't necessarily designed for the classroom so one teacher in florida was teaching a lesson on tulsa race massacre and she was using one of our comic books and she only te- she was only teaching it to one class and she taught it to one class and then At the end, one of her students asked if he could take five of them and take it to lunch, so so he could teach the rest of his friends who weren't in that class.
0: Oh my god! The teacher
2: is just like, kids don't do that. She's like, (laughs) yes, she's like, that's not a thing that I experience where kids want to take the comic books and go teach other kids about the content. And one time, I've had another while we're doing a pilot. Uh, a student asked if she could take the comic book and go read it. Go read it at home with her mom. And she just has to have it. And the educators, you know, that we were working with for like that's that's a different type. That's a different type of engagement where students want to. They want to take the content with them. So we we think it's a. I think it's a great way to in, to really engage students. But I just you mentioned this. You mentioned this earlier when you first talked about comics and. I would say comics is not comics are not a genre. They're a communication medium. So it's just a very efficient way to really communicate. It's very it, designed correctly, it's an efficient way to tell a really good story, but really communicate some really complex ideas. So I think sometimes, you know, when we think and when we talk about literacy, we think that. And I think it's just a societal thing. Like, if you're not a strong reader, therefore you're not a strong thinker. But what we think what comic books does, it opens that door for some students who maybe struggle, who maybe struggle with text based literacy, the ability to show the, show really strong critical thinking skills. So we've seen students who are like reading below reading level, who are who are a lot more engaged in classroom, in classroom activities, and really showing their like intellectual horsepower where it's not, where the, the activity is not purely based off of, off of text.
0: And, and one thing I'll, I'll say too, is these graphics are really impressive, right? Like they really are high quality, really good stuff. Y'all definitely got that down. As I'm looking at all these pictures, they're kind of mesmerizing. You're just kind of like, I just want to sit and look at the picture for a long time. I don't always feel like that. Even with like primary photo, primary,
1: you know, source photos or anything like that. What age range is your, your uh, comic
2: books for? So generally, we recommend grade seven and up. So we don't we don't pull punches with the history that we tell. So there is like an age appropriateness factor. So like in one of in our in our Jude's War comic book, like we do show an image of soldiers being lynched. And within within you know, some of our professional development, we provide. Perspectives on like how do you show that content to um, to students, but that's generally the age range that um, we, we recommend for the for the content. Not everything is as intense as that, but we generally say at seventh grade and above. You just mentioned
1: professional development. Do you mind talking a little bit more about like how like what resources that a teacher would
2: could get to to use these in class? Yeah, so generally we provide, it's, it's a comic book and then it's a comic book without any words. And then it's like a mini unit plan and then we can provide a couple hours of professional development where we kind of break down what's actually happening in a comic book. So we'll break down, so the, the, the technical term for comic books or you can say comic books and graphic novels fall under this, it's, it's called sequential art. And it's the deliberate juxtaposition of images and text to communicate a particular aesthetic. So what we're doing is we're deliberately juxtaposing image and text to communicate, you know, complex ideas about history. So we'll go through a PD and say, when you look at these three panels, generally your brain is making these inferences about how these panels are how these panels are connected and this is this ends up becoming this type of visual metaphor that can be connected to this um, primary source document where therefore you can drive this type of discussion
0: that's really cool i like all the work that you've done here so in most cases is this is this districts who are ordering it do they order it in bulk classroom sets how, how do you generally
2: sell these so um it's, it's generally a teacher license or a school will purchase a license One thing that we're currently uh, piloting right now is a a co creation model. So we're currently working with with two two education institutions to co create locally relevant content. So we'll come into, we'll we'll partner with the school and we'll provide professional development on design thinking. And then the the teachers and students will run design thinking, a design thinking workshop on a local moment of history that has national significance. And then we'll take the output of their design thinking workshops and put it through our engine and create a comic book for that school. And then throughout the year, the schools, that classroom or that teacher, we kind of let them into the the process of making a comic book and they have the opportunity to provide feedback.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, because this seems like this could be a really cool follow-up lesson using any of these comic books is to let students you know, draw some panels, draw a page of a historical incident. Have you, have you been able to see students, you know, try to do their own design? And I'm sure, I mean, that's a, the, the amount of work that goes into it. I'm sure they like think it's kind of easy or something like that. But how do they wrestle with it? Have you seen them have fun with that or, or be able to, you know, make sense of historical moments and, and put them in comic form?
2: Well, what, what I find most interesting is that uh, since, you know, we're doing this kind of live and they have, the kids have no filter, they, they, they just say exactly what they want to see to help them learn. So they're just like, I want to see a timeline like this to help me understand this moment of history. And that is super, it's just super helpful from a design perspective because as someone who does human-centered design, I think, you know, one of the experts on pandemic learning are the kids who went through it when the experts of learning in you know 2022, 2022 2023 2024 are going to be the kids who are living at that time so giving them the opportunity to co-design solutions for themselves based on their their, their context in real time i think it's just i think it's just really powerful so uh, we're we're actually doing some of that stuff like right now like we'll we'll be running another workshop next week. <laughs> so they say really interesting things. They, they 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 always they always want it. They don't always do this, but sometimes the way that I think that we should present present information, or the teacher and I think that information be presented, the kids have an entirely different way of looking at it. And once when we listen to them and they make make sense of it, I'm like, oh, it actually makes sense. That's not, That's probably not a bad way to present that information.
0: So maybe we should be listening to the students a little bit more, right? I think that's an age-old lesson that teachers have to remind themselves of, right? Like this, the way students make sense of information, the way the things that excite them. I feel like you're really in tune with with that student-centered, uh, you know, culturally responsive approach to education. So, so, what advice would you have for teachers, for students, for educators who are interested? both specifically in getting, you know, using this, the comics that you have, but also just kind of like better understanding untold histories and, and exploring, you know, comic books, uh, you know, historical fiction or nonfiction comic books. I would
2: say, I, 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 I would say I have a couple of things. I would, first thing I would say is, you know, and it goes back to comics are a medium or communication medium and not a genre. When we stop looking at comic books solely as you know superhero, Black Panther, you know Superman, Wolverine type of you know stories, they're a super powerful tool in the education setting that you can that you can use in a lot of different ways. And that's the first thing I would say: like actually take some time to understand like what a comic book is and some of the cognitive psychology behind it, because. Once, once you have an understanding of that, you know you can start pairing that as edu- educator. You can start pairing that as a, a, a really great learning tool, uh, especially in, in a classroom classroom environment. As far as uh, untold stories in history and history and teaching these stories, you just have to get your hands dirty and your, your feet wet and just start reading them, because they just things they're just things that weren't were generally taught in our current political environment. It seems that there people don't want these things <laughs> to, be, to be taught. So it's just, it's just, you know, continuing to you know get better and learn, get better and you know, get better and learn every day. Like one of the books that kind of changed my whole perspective on history was Lies My Teacher Told Me. And that kind of set me on a path reading all these different types of sources and you know. That 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 gave me the ability and confidence to start engaging with co- other communities about these types of stories. And then, like last year, just get help. Like we're all trying to figure these things out. The, these the problems of our society are not necessarily ours. They're problems that we've inherited. So let's just get help, and let's come together in community around these untold stories. And you know, because. I know I'm not the only company doing something like this. And I know there's plenty of educators who are highly interested. It's just about coming together and seeing like, okay, what can we do to like move this, move these things forward?
1: So before we, before we go, obviously in social studies, one of the big things that we're talking about is inquiry. How can teachers utilize the graphic, your comic book's, to do like the inquiry process like how, how would that work
2: so one of the things we, we offer are we'll offer the comic book without any words on it and what we're trying to do is we're trying to start the process of inquiry with what's happening in these images when there are no words what inferences can i make about history when there are no words but all i have is action people and what's powerful about um, comic books is this process called closure. What's different, what's a little different from comic books than text-based reading is that comics are an in inference, inference-based medium. So as you, go, as you go left, right, up, down, you're constantly making inferences about the connection between um, the images and the people in the images and the uh, objects in the images. And you make an assumption and you fill out the story yourself. You, you ask a question in your brain, you're like, this is what I think is happening. And then you fill out the story, you fill out the story yourself. And students, students and people will do that, but a lot of a lot of times people have different endings, they have different middles and different beginnings to the story. And then you can start aligning primary and secondary source documents around this, this, this story that someone else has filled out, the story that someone or a student filled out for themselves. They can start asking questions or students will do a deep dive into three panels where they're just like, I want to know what's happening to the GI Bill in this picture and why it's happening. You can align that to primary source and secondary source documents and you can create a learning that can go in multiple different directions all off of one, one comic book. But what's powerful is that the comic book and the images and how they were sequenced were designed for students to ask questions from the beginning. They were designed in a way that students, that the, one of the best ways students can get the answers is only going to the source, through primary sources or secondary sources, as well as just well designed to do that. Because um, even in like an inquiry design model, that's a framework to do this stuff, but the content in that inquiry design model may have never actually been designed for inquiry. So um, it, it, it's better than nothing. But it's a different process when someone was like, I need people to ask questions about this and I want them to ask me thoughtful questions.
0: Just like with research, your research methods you put into creating these comics, I feel like I just learned a lot more about inquiry too, which is something we talk about all the time in social studies research. So thank you so much for joining us today, for teaching us not only about what you have to offer with these comics and with true fiction, but you helped us think through a lot of really important teaching you know things that decisions that teachers make so thank you
1: no uh, i thank
2: you for having me i really enjoyed this conversation
1: so did we now where can our listeners find you and obviously your work on online
2: you can find us at uh truefiction.com t-r-u-e-f-i-k-t-i-o-n.com you'll find us at twitter at at t-r-u-e underscore fiction f-i-k-t-i-o-n and you can find us on Instagram at, at True
1: Fiction, and we'll make sure to link that all in the show notes. So for those who go there too, we gotcha. So we are all about sharing the learning at
0: the Visions of Education podcast. You're doing my if line. You're do- this is interesting. I know this is fun, right? We're going backwards. If you're doing something fun or creative in education, tweet us at Visions of Ed or hit us up on Facebook. Hopefully, Michael's there. I'm not. <laughs> and if you haven't already subscribed to Visions of Ed on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, or anywhere
1: you want us to be and if you read it's a five-star review we'll read it on the air we would like to thank zach seitz <laughs> zach seitz of wiley high school in texas and the university of north texas for his editing skills you did a good job and you can find me on twitter i'm at dan Kretka. and i'm at 42 think deep until next time and this is the visions of education podcast signing off